Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Sweet. Some, can you hear that noise? <laughs> what noise? Something in my apartment is making a tremendous amount of noise. Oh, great. I don't... Wait. Dude, if you get abducted... Yay! Your, what? She's, did she leave and leave a noise on? Oh, it's off. It's off. We're good. What noise was it? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I know what it was. We have a can. Okay, when we light candles, our one, one of our cats is just like obsessed with death, and so every time we light a candle, she's like, "Oh, what's this? I want to eat this fire," or you know, she like wants to light, tip it over and light the house up or whatever. And so, all right, we're good. Damn it! So, Damn the, it, so the, the noise, the noise was Katie. Uh, turning on the oven vent thing to get the smoke from the candle that she blew out because she's going to the store now. Oh my god. Anyways. Poor kitties. God, you scared me there for a minute. It's all quiet. And I'm like, what? Wait, what's going on? <laughs> what noise? All right, we're good. Let's get into this episode, Marie. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. We should Hell, leave all this in. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm leaving it in. Fuck Hello, it. We're doing listeners it live. of the Mad Scientist podcast. I am your host, Chris Cogswell, here joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Marie. My people, my people, what is up? Marie's. My spooky people. Got a very interesting story for us tonight. Mm, I do, I do, because you know what? Chris, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love, love movies. Love movies. Like, I, especially if you get a good, scary movie, man, who doesn't love a good, scary movie? And it doesn't even have to be good. Like, as some of our listeners may know, what's my favorite movie? Con Air. My second <laughs> favorite, Pacific Rim. Two of the most majestic films ever dedicated to the American wait, public. Wait, Pacific Rim Seriously. is your second favorite movie? Yeah. Oh, what? easily. Easily. That's hilarious. Hello. Hello. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's. You know, like, he really got the fuzzy end of the lollipop. I mean, you know, props for, you know, the shape of water, whatever he's come up with now. It's all, like, best picture, touching, moving. No, man. Di giant robots fighting Keiju with Charlie Day as a okay. scientist. Oh, epic. Epic. <laughs> I, just had to, I just had to Google oh. that movie to make sure it was the one I was thinking of. Yes. It is. It is. What but a it tremendous is only, piece of news from Marie today. It is second to Con Air. Well, yeah, is, that's a sensible one. Which is, which you're like, well, duh. <laughs> so viewers, if you are not fans of those movies, I'm sorry because, man, you are missing out because they are so, so good. But anyways, I'm a fan of movies and coming out very soon is Winchester with Dame Helen Mirren, who is a silver fox, if ever there was one. She's a foxy lady. She's a great actress. And it's a good story. So I'm like, you know what? We're going to ride this gravy train. We're not getting any money from Sony or Columbia or whoever the fuck's putting it out. But we are riding the gravy train and doing a movie tie-in and talking about the Winchester Mystery House. Does yes. It, does, it count, does it count as a gravy train if we're giving them free publicity? Oh, man. <laughs> and we get nothing? Hey, you know what? For the next hour and a half, I could talk about... I could talk about my other two favorite movies. No, anyway. No, 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 no. Okay, let's start this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Scientist Podcast. Tonight's episode, Winchester Mystery House. So as our listeners may or may not know about the Winchester Mystery House, which I've actually been there, uh, I've been on like three different tours, actually four different tours of the Winchester Mystery House. Um, it is a mansion, a huge mansion in San Jose that has a lot of different rooms. I'm trying to find exactly how many. It has a multitude of different rooms 
and was never completed and constantly being built by Sarah Winchester. And Sarah Winchester was the wife of one of the owners of Winchester Rifles. And uh, we can get into sort of how she got out to, to uh, San Jose to actually start building this and sort of the, the, the tragedy of her life before she came out. Uh, but she came out, she purchased this small ranch farmhouse in San Jose, which at that time, turn of the century, 18, 1860s, was very, very small, very, very rural. There was not a lot of running water, if any, and there certainly wasn't any kind of electricity. And began to build. And she did not stop building until she died in, I believe it was 1920. And it's not like she had a whole band or group of architects. She basically planned everything herself and built everything herself and hired local labor and craftsmen and woodworkers and uh, made up all of the drawings, if there were any drawings, totally on her own, which was unheard of at the time. Um, and there's a lot of reasons going into why Sarah Winchester would do this and had this sort of obsession with building this house and why, you know, why she never wanted it to be finished and why there were certain aspects of the home that were creepy and didn't make any kind of sense, like a door that when you opened it basically led to the outside of the house and was like a 20-foot drop or stairwell that basically leads up to uh, nothing and is just dead end. So there's definitely now. There's not, yes, I just Chris. I'm quick, yeah, I want to I want to mm -hmm. jump in quick. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, could it be that the house doesn't make any sense and never got finished because a uh, dare I say person unqualified to design and build a house? <laughs> was designed and designed and well, tried to build the house now right see, i mean if like if i mean i don't know like i've tried to kind of recreate in my mind like what the mansion <laughs> from the nanny had to look like i can't even i can't even do that you know what i mean like i'm it's impossible yeah. i don't even know yeah but like, I, I but i'm a wackadoo because i like pacific rim no keep going keep going well, the okay the nanny is a classic um no like le like legitimately though like could it just be that she just was a really shitty architect like, I don't know. Architecture is hard. Like, don't you have to build stuff? very like, hard. So there's a lot that goes into, like, making a house stand up. I mean, there's a lot of force balancing and physics and stuff. And she, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to guess she was, she, when she built this house, 1884. Yes. Right. So by all accounts, Sarah Winchester was almost a prodigy. She was a very intelligent woman. Um, she spoke multiple languages. She was a gifted piano player and um, a musician and was very well-read and very, very intelligent on her own stature even before she was married. Well, yeah. So well, she, she definitely had, I would say, she probably had more of an education and an intelligence to take on an endeavor such as building a house if given the right tools and counsel and if she decided to stop, right? Like at a certain point, you just don't build anymore because you're like, you know what? I think, I think seven levels of a home, that's enough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just stop right here and not build anymore. But, you know, she didn't. She didn't stop at that. She didn't. She never stopped building. She never stopped bringing people in. Um, she also, there are stories, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there are stories that she was very, very discerning in the quality of what she wanted to see in the home. And she would bring in wood and from, you know, very rare wood. And if one piece had a knot in it, she wouldn't allow it to, she wouldn't put it into the, the parquet or the building. Sure. Um, and she would, she oversaw quite a bit of it. And if something wasn't working, she literally would have them tear it out the next week. Hmm. And sometimes that's what they're thinking is that's what, why it's boarded up or that's why it's, that's why she rebuilt around it. 
some of the stuff, it makes some sense. Like, again, like you could say, well, she's probably, you know, you probably just shouldn't be doing that stuff. But at the same time, there's, there is some, there is something kind of odd about just deciding to keep going with something like that. So some of the stuff, some of the stuff that's interesting. So I actually, after you said what this topic was Mm going to be on, Mm -hmm. I actually did some like research of my own too. Yeah, like amazing, right? So, like, we're like a fully functioning (laughs) podcast team or something. Oh my god! But so, um, don't get crazy on me. One thing that one thing that I found really interesting was that um, this actually it was still in construction during the earthquake of uh, 1906. Yes, and like a lot of the house just got damaged, and she was just like, she was just like, make it like make it stable, but just like stop working on that part of the house. Yes. Right. Like and that's, they have, that's yes. fascinating. I mean, that's and that that in itself is an interesting thing. But then also this is one piece of info that I found really interesting is that the actual the house itself, like there was no master plan. No. So like that's I mean, that's a shitty way to build anything. <laughs> right. Have you have you like have you ever tried to build a Lego like a Lego car even without a master plan? It, it always ends up as just a pillar. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like I always get bored, and I'm like, "Well, that's it. It's not anything now." Big pillar with wheels. So it's not okay. even a race car. So well, we got. So we got this. Okay. So we got this. We got this lady. She's very. I would. I would say she, it sounds quite a bit, and from what I read too, it sounds quite a bit like she is a. She is a standout in her time period, even, right? In being so, um, so well read, so kind of, um just kind of being almost a, you know, not an academic per se, I guess, but being a, a very well-read, well-learned person. Yes. Right? In yes. kind of a period of, in kind of a period of like extreme wealth allowing you to kind of, you know, like this is the, what's it? This is like the, um, this is the great Gatsby time period, right? Where. Earlier. Er, it's earlier than that. But Much earlier. Much well, earlier. I never read the Great so, Gatsby, Marie. Uh, you didn't. That's right. I we told you last, this episode. last time. Jesus, we're, you know we're what? Building oh, in some, we're building in some continuous <sighs> comedy here. Oh, my God. Yeah, running joke about you and the Great Gatsby. So, basically, she was born in 1839. She's one okay. of four sisters, and they were a very wealthy New Haven, Connecticut family, which is where she met her husband, William Winchester, who was uh, who was the son of Oliver, and Oliver Winchester was just beginning to invest in the manufacturing of rifles. Okay. Um, and they married in sixteen. I'm sorry, eighteen sixty two. And her father Leonard invested in Winchester, um, but also they they came from they both came from money. They both were 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 educated, affluent um, families, especially, at, I think, especially at that time. Sure. Um, the first tragedy basically came when uh, they were expecting their daughter in mm. 1866, the first daughter, uh, but she, the baby, Anne Pardee Winchester, uh, died of malnutrition only a few weeks after being born. Yeah, so this is actually that is a very frightening way to die. I mean, so she mm, actually mm-hmm. she and this what was what they this call was, failure to thrive. This this was is, her own. This was this was their only child. Yes, um, she it would died be their from, only child. Yes, she died from what was known as what is known still as marasmus, which is um, oh. severe malnutrition due to a lack oh. of protein. So it is. Um, Base, I mean, in very ways similar to what occurs in areas with severe poverty, um, it's it's that it is the disease that causes uh, the the kids in the really really uh, terribly sad commercials and stuff for like UNICEF or whatever. Um, it's the, it's that's the one that causes the belly to bloat and the you know. So I mean, their right. their child died a horrifying. And, um, I mean, really, that's, that's, like a that few is intense. Yeah. And what's, what's so, um, disturbing about that too, is that basically 
with sort of their social status, their show, social economic status, right. they are the ones that should have, their offspring are the ones that should have the best chances of survival because they One. have the most money to put towards care, unlike someone who is in abject poverty. So that's even more, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, you know the, the sort of death of an infant is not, uh, you know, it's not happy matter for anyone, no matter what your social economic background. But it's like, especially within this story, it's sort of the trigger of it starts everything with Sarah. Um, but go ahead. Yes. No, I was just I was going to say, I mean, that is to die from. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I mean, I don't know if this is I am not a uh, listeners, you know, I am not that kind of doctor. But um, but. I that, like to say I am when I yeah, but it's fine. Time. No, but I mean, so from so ten days, this child died in ten days. Oh, that that doesn't even seem like enough time huh? though. To, huh? I wonder if this wasn't something like uh, SIDS or something, right? Where they didn't have an explanation. I mean, also too, mm-hmm. think about this. I mean, imagine the guilt that you would feel as a mother, right? Oh, yes. That your child died from malnutrition. I mean, yes. Um. Especially, I mean, I would imagine during this time period, breastfeeding was the norm, right? I mean, just imagine. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I'm I mean, sure, yeah, you would have nurses. You would even probably have a wet nurse. You would have right. nannies. You would have a group of people that would, would, especially, again, if you have more money, you have more chance of, of survival with this type of thing. But, like, right. 10 days, which makes That's you horrible. think maybe the, it doesn't, it from everything I could find, the baby was not born premature. There was no, there's very little that I was able to research in our short time that would give you any indication besides what they call, again, failure to thrive in, in malnutrition. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's, that's horrible. Anyways, yes. so I, I think that's a, I mean, I'm surprised that that's not brought up more in the legends after the fact, right? I mean, that to me is a much more compelling, um, Reason? That's a much more compelling yeah. story to me. Anyways, I don't know. Well, and it gets, it doesn't, like, the story does not necessarily get any happier either. Okay. She, so she's, you know, in a deep depression. And she's, you know, basically inconsolable. They're not, they do not have any children. Um, for all accounts, she was a very sensitive, compassionate, again, intelligent, open woman. And this really was a, uh, a blow to her. Uh, William, who... Her husband was a great comfort and he like her was a gentle soul and so he he was her rock during this time and really came you know and was with her and comforted her um until around 1880 when his father oliver winchester died and he uh he was assuming like in his will oliver winchester believed and wanted the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which is there, the the Winchester Company, would be run by William, who was now okay. the vice president. And he left all of their money, of which, you know, we'll go into Winchester as a company and sort of the amount of money and the importance that they had and sort of the relevance that they had at that time period. It was a lot of money. So it it would be um, passed on to his heirs. Um, however, soon after Oliver died, William became ill as well mm. and died shortly thereafter of tuberculosis. An- of another consumption. Yes. Right. And I was going to say another sort of wasting, another sort of wasting type disease, right? To see your, yes. To see your child. So the child dies in 1866. The child dies. The father-in-law, who, again, sounded very much like the patriarch of the family, sure, sure. who was um, the head of, of this empire, right, yeah. which, was, which, which was huge, passes away. And in that, she is supposed to, he is supposed to, the William is supposed to be the heir apparent and is supposed to keep this, this whole legacy going. And then he passes away. Wow. So she is she is um, completely torn asunder by it. It's a terrifying event, and at the same time, she inherits all of the money because how it was broken out was Oliver would leave the fortune 
to his son and his daughter. And as the son, I'm, a, I'm imagining, I don't have this exactly documented, but he received more because he was also the vice president. He was going to be who was going to be running that company. Sure. And upon his passing, it all goes to his wife. Hmm. They have no children. So basically, she inherits uh, everything that Oliver had besides, you know, besides stock and the company of Winchester, everything that he had that would be just other shares, like shares in the New Haven Water Company, in New York New Haven Railroad, wow. um, in all sorts of different railroads, just a huge amount of stock and revenue, which at the time, newspapers tried to quantify it as about $20 million at that time. Right, which is just so, so, yeah. It would be maybe 500 million plus now. I would say. I mean, yeah, easily. Yeah, easily. easily. I, I would say easily. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually surprised at how, I want, I'm and actually surprised at how little, I mean, and th but that's that's how much he. But inherited. that's one lump sum. I was gonna yes, say that's, that's the lump the, sum inheritance. Yes. That's not how much he was making. A, like no, that's not how much he was making a year on all of these investments. No, or right? she was she was just or on Winchester because now she is basically she is basically one of the shareholders. Well, so how much did she make Winchester. on Winchester a year? So I I don't have that figure in front of me, but again, like she in she gets this huge amount of money, um, and. For the rest of her life, she's going to be compensated by this, by this industry as well. Um, however, maybe because she is, you know, fearing for her own health, um, the East is now, you know, kind of plagued by the deaths that just yeah, recently it, happened. Right. It has she nothing. Moves. It has nothing yeah. good for her. Anymore. Yes, yeah. she's done, and she moves. And she naturally, or not naturally, but she comes, she comes west because that's, that's what you do is you go west. Mm. Um, and again, it's warmer. The climate is more mild. It was known, you know, if you're going to um, try and cure tuberculosis or some sort of lung ailment, it was Colorado or it was, you would come to uh, California. Sure. Uh, and so she settles out here and she settles, she has... Actually, I was surprised to learn she had multiple different properties, all sort of within what is now the Bay Area. So she had properties in Burlingame and in Belmont and in Atherton, and the most famous would be the um, would be the property now known as the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose. But she even had a houseboat, which Ooh. I was like, "Well, there you go. How about Good for that?" Her. I mean, so she she definitely had a had a surplus of money and a surplus of wealth. Um, but she was also not a very social, gregarious person. She, she especially at this point, uh, kept to herself. She turned inward. She didn't really want to socialize as much. She still reached out to the family, but it was much more with letters and some visits, but nothing, nothing to the extent that you would associate with sort of an heiress well, I was um, going to say, it's, it's also, heiress. I mean, it's also like, I mean, I don't know, you move, she basically moved, I mean, at that time, it's not like even today, I mean, we're recording this episode, you're in California, I'm in mm -hmm. Minnesota, right? It's not, it's not like she could just jump on a plane, right? I mean, this is like, she might as well be in China for how far away it is from New Haven, right? I mean, yes. it's, it's extremely far. I mean, I would imagine it's at least a month long journey by train even. Right. Um, and she came out here, she came out here, um, basically with maybe one or two servants or people that knew her, but were close to her, but no, no real family. Okay. So she came out with a very small, I don't want to say entourage, but with a very small group of people that she trusted. Um, there's a lot of writings around this time that she, would visit mediums that she would do seances that she got very much into um, sort of the spiritual the spiritualist movement of the time which can be I would say 
there's very little actual documentation of that. There's very little fact behind that. However, if she did, I think it would be a reasonable expectation. One, because it was viewed much more as a science at the time. It wasn't viewed as, uh, it was viewed as, as more of a social norm and not a, you know, that this was, this was going to be something that would be proven and not something that was sort of, you know, kooky seance, you know, what, not necessarily what we view it as now, but there wasn't a stigma attached to it as much as it was viewed almost as a soft science, I'd say like in, you know, especially in the 18, in the 18, uh, late 1800s. Sure. Well, this is all, this is also kind of before, uh, this is really, I mean, we, we kind of think of this as, uh, we kind of think of like seances and all that stuff mm-hmm. as being, you know, at that time period being like, what I would say is it kind of lost a lot of its luster and a lot of its seriousness after Harry Houdini, right? Yes. Proved so many of these people to be frauds, right? Houdini yes. really kind of kicked off the modern day, um, skeptical or, or kind of, more debunking skeptical yes. wing, right? Oh, so, Houdini, yes. And he, you know, he, and I mean, he wasn't even born yet at the time this house was built or starting to be built, right? Houdini right. Died, died, uh, Houdini was born in like 1874, 75, around there. And this house, we're saying it's because, you know, um, this house, she moved to San Jose. Um, actually, the, the stuff that I'm seeing says that she moved there with her sister and her niece. Um, and then Sorry. purchased no no and so purchased <laughs> this house this house in eighty six so at this point Houdini is you know whatever twelve years old uh, he's not mm-hmm. debunking anything at that point no, so he's just, he's well just maybe being some lippy. stuff but right <laughs> but so uh, so anyway so I think that's interesting so but so there's there's all these these ideas out there that she was visiting mediums but there, but you're saying there's really no. There's no real proof of it. And okay. I would say even if she did, she had just lost her child. She had just lost her husband. Right. It's I yeah. can understand that. Like I can understand somebody who's now really very much alone, who's very affluent, who probably would attract the attention of um of people, I don't want to say charlatans, but I, I can I can see that maybe that, that would be a part and parcel almost to any sort of grieving process at the time with somebody that was, that had that means, right? Oh, shit. It's, it's still, it's still a part and parcel of the grieving uh, process today. And I would yes. say, uh, it is the realm of charlatans and necromancers and other necromancers folks. You know what I mean? Like, even if, even if it's working, you're still a necromancer, but, um, interesting. Okay. So, so she kind of, so she, is in a dark place. She moves out. So actually though, that's kind of interesting. Her, hmm. her child dies in 66 mm-hmm. and then 81, her husband dies. So actually there's a good, I mean, it's not enough time to get over something like that. I would imagine I've never, you know, uh, you know, thankfully never had anything like that happen to me, but, um, but I would imagine. So this is, you know, I mean, it's still though, it's like a one, two punch or punch, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's relatively soon. And, um, so her husband dies and then about five years later, um, she moves to California mm-hmm. and buys this house. Okay. And buys this house. Interesting. And makes a legend out of this house. Okay. <laughs> Basically. And so a lot of, you know, kind of jumping, um, we can talk about sort of the structure and how it was being built and, and all of that good stuff, but one of the things that came out of it very soon after was that she was, she was building this. um, She was building this because the, the mediums had told her not only did she have to move to the West, um, but she had to build a home and keep building it to be safe from the spirits that would haunt her that were, uh, that were killed by rifles by the Winchester rifle. I mean, that seems uh, just off, off real quick. That seems like a very specific thing to tell someone, right? Like, well, like has that, has that ever happened before with mediums? Have they ever told anyone else to do that? Does that but, I mean, people would know who she was, right? I mean, she was when I, I would say, especially after her husband's death, she was well known. The Winchester Winchester as a company 
was well known. And we oh yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. No, get I mean that now. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's com- and that's completely like that's sensible to me. That mm-hmm. that listen, if I was a if I like that's like I always love one on those TV shows with mediums mm-hmm. and stuff when they have a celebrity come on, and it's like, oh my god, how did she know that? You're a fucking celebrity. She knows everything about you. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Stupid. Gave her was right. We know everything. Specific. I very, mean, you're right. Very specific, though. Like, she had to. Well, and of course, this rumor only about what the psychic said to her only comes up after she's building. The oh house. no! So well, yeah. I mean, listen, psychics are very, very good at psychics are very good at describing how things have happened, but are very bad at predicting. How they right. will. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's like, oh hmm. yeah. So she's and she's still building this house and it's it is to to it is to elude the ghosts that are that are that she is cursed with because right. of well, the Winchester. You know what they say, and, Marie, if hmm. you're trying to hide from someone or something, the best course of action is to stay in one place with just, a really big project that's gonna bring a lot of attention to you. <laughs> And just well, build yeah, like just build a well, fucking a monument. The, you know that, that actually monument. that actually really does tie back to Pacific Rim very nicely. Does I will really? say, no, no, oh, I didn't yeah. mean to. Oh yeah, no, 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 it does. I, you could do the same type of reading with Pacific Rim. I'm not going to because that's another seven hours of me down the rabbit hole. Right, but we could. <laughs> but we're not going to. Um, but so. The reason that, and the other reason that they use this as again this this um, besides they that use this as sort of the 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 tent stake of which you could safely make this bet. Besides Winchester being any other name like Rockefeller or synonymous with money, is the Winchester rifle um, under Oliver Winchester became the gun that won the West. Hmm. So. The most popular Winchester model, the 1873 rifle, was with the Colt 45, which is which is the revolver, and this is a shotgun, the gun that won the West. And it, they produced over 720,000 rifles between 1873 and 1916. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. They were affordable, and basically anyone during that time frame could own this could own this weapon so you look at it through almost a 20th century lens and you would say well yeah this is you know this is a woman who profited this is blood money this this whole house this whole mansion was built from the gun industry from this insidious industry that that you know was after the civil war um but this revolutionary it was a revolutionary weapon because it was a reloader and basically it went from firing a single shot or it was repeating sorry but it would reload sorry it was repeating so it could fire up to five times before being reloaded so instead of a single shot you could get out five right it's it's so, really the first rifle of its kind yes yeah. it is and there were other rifles that had the same technology. However, this model really refined it and revolutionized it to the point that it could be mass sold. Okay. So it was, it was just a huge, huge move forward in weaponry. And it was also, you know, again, sort of uh, in 20th century lens, cementing sort of a gun culture because now... The myth of it is, especially not just not just that she would be haunted by people that she killed or settlers necessarily, but that she would be haunted by the Native Americans that were killed by it, mm. since it was a Western expansion. How the West was one weapon. So this is like again, this is this is now sort of building up two mythoses, which is you know that 
the gun that 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 America has sort of again this 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 um, this love of guns, this love of the weapon, but then also this victimization of of the Native American culture, mm. which is definitely not beyond the pale and very true. However, uh, one of the things that I found that I thought was very very interesting was um, studies of the Little Bighorn. So the Battle of Little Bighorn, where General Custer comes in and he is with his troops basically going to try and wipe out uh, Lakota. I believe it was Lakota. It was a sitting bull. And I can't remember the other, but it was, they, they go back now and they're looking at the forensics of the actual battlefield where General Custer was massacred. Mm -hmm. And the weaponry they find is the majority of Custer and his men had uh, single shot rifles. Hmm. However, there was more. There were more weapons out there that were that would fit like what the weapon before this Winchester was, which was called a Henry rifle, um, which again, which had multiple um, had multiple repeating shots to it. So this weapon was in everybody's hands. Everyone had a chance to buy it, or had a chance to purchase it, or it its effect. I think. You know, we, we, we like to try and, and think of it kind of maybe um, gun violence affecting one, one population or one group of people more than another. But right. basically, this is a really good illustration of it doesn't care who's, it, who, no. who's firing it, it will kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's sort of, that was really, to me, one of the most interesting parts is it's like, you know, 720,000 of these things were produced. But at the time, this wasn't thought of as um, as a vulgarity or as an affront to humanity. Almost as we do think of weapons now, it was a necessity because you were settling. It was your only protection. It was the way that you would also... Could could feed yourself and hunt. Well, yeah, so I mean... It was something that was between, important. It is the difference between kind of what i mean not to get too far into the gun debate mm -hmm. right but it is kind of the difference between what gun guns is a tool versus guns is a collector item right or yes. guns guns is a tool for or it's a fetish i would almost say it's a fetish yeah, yeah. guns is a useful tool mm -hmm. right i mean even even at that point say you know i mean five uh, five shots right there's there's something to be mm -hmm. said about this idea of kind of um fair play right and kind of you know, if you're if you're going out and hunting a buffalo or a deer or something to to feed your family of settlers, right? Mm -hmm. um, one shot is probably enough. You'd hope. If you're a good shot, one shot should be enough, right? Um, but then to build in this uh, this weapon that could do five shots before needing to be reloaded, that already increases your killing power significantly, right? And yes. it's and it's sort of I mean it is it is a tremendous uh, it is a tremendous increase in lethality and in efficiency of lethality yes. right well and so, it's, it is the movement towards automation right I right. don't have to do I don't have to have a musket I don't have to have one shot and then have to go through the machinations of reloading it I can get as many bullets out as I possibly can right having to interact with the weapon see but now it makes me wonder though if. It makes me wonder, though, if at the time even it would have been viewed as a, um, like, you know, we, we think today, I mean, I don't even know if today people that own stock in gun companies or people that mm -hmm. are making these guns, I don't know if they even, I don't think they feel bad, right? I mean, yeah. it's a um, it's a business, right? And that's kind of why I mm -hmm. think a lot, of the, a lot of the arguments to them, you know, like there was this big sign in Boston that you drive down, um, you drive in on... Oh, what highway is that? 91, I guess, or 90? You drive in on one of those highways, whatever. You pass Fenway Park. And on the left-hand side, there was this big sign that was like the number of gun deaths that year, mm. right? Or like mm -hmm. the number of gun deaths mm -hmm. since Sandy Hook or something like that. And mm. it would say, you know, this many people have died. You know, do something. And it had a, a website you could go to. And to me, I mean, that kind of appeal to emotion is not it's not effective to like, if you own a gun company, you've already found a way to, to fix that 
cognitive dissonance in your mind. Well, right? I mean, like, yes. You, right? This and so, isn't new. No, know? but anyways, getting away from that, yeah. I actually wonder if at the time, even though it would have been, I mean, in some ways, if you're a settler, she is a yeah. hero. Her and her, her and her family are heroes. They have, it's they the have found, that won the West. That's what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. they have found a way to uh, make. They have really, in some ways, made the settling of America, you know, through the Possible. blood of Native Americans, right? They have yeah. really made the settling of America possible in some ways, and I and I I find it very hard to believe that she would have felt guilty about that at all. See, I would agree with you, and there's also books out uh, as well that that explore this more and say that really realistically us looking again, it's the lens of 20th century looking yeah. at this saying that this is what would cause this guilt. It's the guilt of, it's the guilt about this, about this sort of blood money that would have driven her to, to this, to this extreme. Yeah. You know, and again, like if you look at it, if you look at it sort of objectively, you have a woman who is a recluse who is out in kind of, I want to say nowhere, and who is just keeps building, right? Doesn't have people over. She just keeps building this house. So that's not, you know, that is not the norm at the time. It's probably eh, not the norm exactly now. So <laughs> it, it it is inviting. It is like, it is sort of this, this window into like, well, what is she doing? Why is she, why could she possibly be doing this? And she's got this infamous name. So to me, it's like that's, but to make the connection between the two is a shift in American culture and American thought, I think, that starts to say that this is, this is why she's doing it. And it's sort of, but the idea of Winchester is now thought of, again, sort of in the gun culture, which is heavily prevalent in, in the United States. As a quick side note, Many years ago, I actually worked for an auction house. I don't know if I probably told the viewers this at some point, told, told you about this. Um, and one of my main sort of internal people that I worked with at this auction house were Arms and Armor. The biggest, the biggest, uh, I would say the biggest sales that they had were like civil, civil war oh, memorabilia. Yeah. Sure. Um, they would have, and they had a huge sale on Custer and artifacts and memorabilia of Custer. And I am telling you, like, I remember to go and to visit them, like we would be taking the mag or we would be taking the catalog of the, one of the upcoming sales to them to proof. And you would go up and they were up in the attic of this ginormous warehouse with all this other art and art and antiques. Um, and they were sort of stowed away in the corner in this, in this weird little like, almost building of their own and you'd walk in and there were just weapons everywhere, mm -hmm. like all sorts of stuff. And it was, it, I will say to look at a, a rifle or a pistol from this time period, it is interesting and they are beautiful. Like the craftsmanship and the amount of, um, pomp and ceremony that went into some of their, some of their, uh, decoration is amazing sure and they're yeah. just very they're very unique and very different but at the same time like i'd walk in there and i'd i would naturally be like oh this is so cool and they would be like please nope when you pick it up you just don't just like go picking that thing up <laughs> yeah yeah because it's a gun <laughs> yeah well, you know, it, and it was it, this weird like this weird balance it's like this is really and but it's like no we're selling guns we're selling <laughs> weapons they are still they would still kill someone. Sure, they which, could still fire. Which you really can't say about like 19th century paintings. Or, no. well, you know. Mm, yeah, not most. Nah, not most. Well, that's <laughs> painted in poison. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, okay, so there's that. Or if you had an arm war, it could fall on you. But like if you were a gun collector, and those were also were the most colorful sales, is like the people that would bid on those, on those, um, on that type of, Merchandise. Oh sure. Yeah, well, you got passionate. foghorn. You got foghorn leghorn walking through the door. Oh shit! I say, I say, sir, I say. And I, they were also fiercely competitive, but they were also oh, very well, like it was really fun. It was a very interesting time frame. I, I have 
little or nothing bad to say about it because I thought it was it was very educational, but at the same time, it's like it is still this weird like people yeah, it's love a, that. It, well, it's a thing. It's a weird thing to. It's almost kind of like. Um, what is it like serial killer memorabilia almost, right? Like it's different. It is different because it's not like it was owned by a horrendous single person, but still like you it's just a horrendous just, time. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, just think, just think about the, you know, in that room, think about how many people have died just from the contents of that one room. Right. That's, oh I mean, God. that's pretty, yeah. that's a, that's a pretty grim way of looking at it, I guess, but it's a very somber, a very, humbling i think thing to to hold what basically amounts to you know some uh, some wood and metal and think like you know well this this could kill someone right like that's yes. that's scary that's a scary thing and it's on its own sense so okay so so this house there's some questions about kind of how it was built and why it was built and everything else but ultimately what makes it famous what makes it part of this story is that supposedly the spirits that that she was running away from followed her to the house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That they they almost now the mm-hmm. home is haunted by all of the victims of the Winchester rifle. Oh yes, yes. It makes haunted. me wonder about I don't know my local bass fishing shop or whatever the hell that place is called. You know, I mean. I'm the ghost of a deer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pooping all over and tipping stuff over and crap. No, like it's an in, it's an interesting. The thing that I love with these before we get into the kind of I guess the haunt the specific hauntings if, if the you haunting have, of I, it. Yeah, I have a couple of interesting ones, but mm. the the thing that I find so fascinating about anytime someone like anytime someone builds something weird. And, like, doesn't really give a good answer for why, the, you know, like, mm-hmm, why they did mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. We always build, just as a people, we always seem to not be able to fathom kind of, you know, like, why would you do that? Right? I mean, I I remember, I mean, you know, one of the cases that we worked on with the Sunshine Legends was the Coral Castle, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I think and it's it, sort of similar in a weird it's way. It's very similar. It's very That's similar, true. I think. Right? Of, nice, and a, and a, nice call out that's Thank true you an eccentric what? you know an eccentric uh person building something yes. in, a recluse in, right building something with their own plan and sort of just building it and you know mm-hmm. not really giving any straight answers about why mm-hmm. and um and so it just kind of continues to live in infamy now because it you know it just kind of got out of hand you know it also it also makes me wonder though what would have happened if uh, she took up crocheting Right, like we talked, we talked about this this afternoon. That Marie, we were talking about UFO stuff, and Marie was like, "I should have." She was like, "I can't believe I didn't take up crocheting instead of podcasting." She picked this stuff up. Yeah, it's probably safe. Probably, probably something up easy. Longer, longer longevity for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but the you know it is interesting. I mean, I wonder what I wonder. You know, you have so much money, right? You just have you have so much money. I mean, she was making. So I actually looked it up. I I don't think I actually said this on the air. I actually looked it up after you said, you know, you didn't know how much it was. I looked it up. She was making $9 million a year. I mean, that's insanity. That's in her, that's in, that's in her, that's in her day. Day. So she inherited 20 million, which was five, which was, so she inherited $20 million. She was, she was making half of her inheritance every year. And that's just that's just on the money from the Winchester company alone. Yes. Right. So yeah. that's craziness. She was making uh, twenty three thousand dollars a day back when you know a nickel bought you a thing of bread or whatever the hell. You know what I mean? I don't know a half pence or something. But so that's that's. I mean, she was making a tremendous amount of money. It almost strikes me as. I got all this money. I got nothing else going on for me. No. I like the I like the attention. I like the company even of the house being worked on. I like having I mean? control over something. Exactly. Like, also, it's like a woman at that time, what is she what can she do? What is right. she going to be able to do with that money? She's Well, that's that's actually a fascinating only, question. Yeah, there's a certain amount of social, you know, social pressure. She's not going to I don't know if it would be socially acceptable for her to go out and buy 
a newspaper or a hospital or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I was going to say, was she allowed? What could she have done? Was she allowed to run the Winchester Company? I can't imagine she was at the time period. No, I don't. Well, the story most certainly does not pan out that way. Sure, sure, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, it's a really, it is a very interesting question. What? You know, what do you, what do you do? What I do mean, I do? laugh, but what do you do after your life falls apart? Right. You know what you I mean? You have no children, really. you have no husband. Yeah. I guess you could travel. But I mean, like, again, like, I, she clearly decided on something and just went, went to town. You know? It's like, it's like, it's like the most it. expensive episode of Hoarders ever. So it, it almost, in some weird way, feels it. that way. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, it, she didn't hoard actual she hoarded rooms. She hoarded rooms. She hoarded houses. Yeah. But I mean, again, too, the one thing that we should also point out about this this mansion is it had immense stained glass windows created by the Tiffany Company, specially designed by her that were her like were her sort of specifications. Uh-huh. So she had this huge amount of I think she had really some good taste and some good um, inclinations insofar as like trying to trying to build out this house even though I agree like I, I think if you are architecturally uninclined you probably shouldn't be doing this but she had all of this money and she just put it to whatever she possibly could she had it insulated at the time um, that insulation really wasn't something that was very common uh, she had it gaslit and electric and electric at a certain mm. point um, I'm pretty sure it was indoor. She had indoor plumbing, right? So it's like this huge, and this house wasn't like, again, it's not like, you know, it's a, it's a two story or it's a story rancher out in, uh, you know, out in, uh, Rancho Cucamonga. It is mm-hmm. like, it was how many different bathrooms? Like there were like 35 bathrooms or something crazy like that. Like it was a huge amount of, of, of plumbing. To have that happen. Right. It's a lot of money and yeah. Yeah. The surrounding gardens were Mm. amazing too. And they still are. I will say like, so I have been on a tour. So I've actually been in the actual house itself, as Uh. I'm sure many of our astute listeners have as well. And it's not, I will say it's not, you're walking through it. It's not incredibly spooky. Like I wasn't spooked out by it, except we did one nighttime one with flashlights Mm-hmm. And that was that was a little scary. That was a little much. That was a little. I mean, that's scary. That's scary yeah. in my own house. Yeah. Well, this, yeah right? So this 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 says this is kind of a list of the stuff that's mm. in the home. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There are 161 rooms. There actually there are actually only 13 bathrooms, Marie. Oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. How many kitchens? 40, 40, How many kitchens? 40 bedrooms. Ah, there we go. Two ballrooms, one completed and one unfinished. So I guess you could put your own touches on it. Yeah. There are 47 fireplaces, over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys with evidence of two others, two basements, but only three elevators. I mean, that, not enough elevators. Listen, I'm I'm a five elevator or nothing kind of guy. (laughs) But I mean, imagine if you've got that many fireplaces, you've got to get that smoke out of there. Right? You can't just light the fire and not have it, you know, like it goes into the bedroom <laughs> up above you. I mean, yeah, that's, that's that true. is sort of a massive that's undertaking. True. That's amazing. That's crazy. Oh, and by the way, Harry Houdini toured the mansion. Oh, I bet he did. In 1924. I feel like I really want to as well. And he ended music. up calling it the Mystery House. So I think he added a little touch to it. Um, but I will say, yeah, so it's, when you go through it, it's not at in my opinion, it is not entirely, it's, it is weird, but it is not entirely, you know, the hair on the back of my neck didn't raise, you know, until it was totally dark. And then, yeah, that's a little, that's a bit much. Um, but for the real reason why she, why this woman decided to build this house really still, we don't know. We don't have an answer to it. She was again, a recluse. She was incredibly intelligent, but, um, there's been so much made of her, you know, her spiritualism and her uh, connection with spirits, which are, I think, vastly over overrated. Um, there's a lot made out of the number 13 in the house. Sure. There's 13 spider webs. You know, they have special, you know, 
significance or there's 13 candles or 13 hooks or 13 something or other. However, a lot of those instances of them being 13 were actually added after her death. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Which is That's the one thing too. So sure. After her death and I will there, there towards the end of her life is when people started to kind of build up the, the idea of it. It's haunted. It's mysterious. It's, it's this, it's that. Um, and after her death and subsequently, I mean, that is a huge moneymaker and is a huge, there's a huge, um, well, for San Jose, I, I would say, you know, even now it is Silicon Valley. It's, it's still, that's, that's a big thing to keep going. And you can't just disavow any kind of mystery into it and be like, yeah, she was just sort of a, a sweet somewhat eccentric old lady that had absolutely no reason for doing this. Sure. Well, you know what, you know what this reminds, you know, what's kind of interesting hmm. though, is it's not even, it's not even the biggest home, um, built at the time. Right. I mean, it's, oh. there are homes. I mean, there's, I'm just, I, I just quickly Googled, um, I just quickly Googled some of the homes of the Rockefellers. Oh, right? well, yeah. Um, they probably William, had architects. William Rockefeller had a hundred and uh, uh, hundred and forty room, or two hundred and four. Sorry, two hundred four room mansion built uh, around Dang. this same time period, right? Huh. Um, well, the only difference is that yeah, they had they had architects. They didn't right? have stairways leading to nothing. No, but... I mean you know they 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 had it really built uh, the right why the right w- <laughs> way rather right so, but. You know, so it's it's actually kind of interesting to me. It's not, it is not necessarily all that out of the realm of you know this. It's not because of how big this house is that it's such a strange thing. It's just that it was built, you know, almost in a in, in an eccentric, a very strange kind of way. Yeah, in a strange has, place by a strange so lady. Much, yeah, you know what it reminds me of though too is hmm. actually H. H. Holmes. Ah. Uh, uh, had built yes. his murder, you know, murder castle. He the built murder his castle, murder, yeah. ca- murder castle in um. In what, like Chicago, ninety yeah. in Chicago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit earlier than that. But I mean, I know, like, World's yeah, fair, like eighteen right? ninety. Right? Yeah, it would be the World's Fair, so it was around um, eighteen ninety. I mean, wh- who was there? No zoning laws. Was no one? You know what I mean? Like, really, no. it makes it makes no. me wonder. Well, of course, there weren't. But it makes it makes me wonder though about you know. It makes me wonder sort of how many of these homes would have been or could have been built if we just let them kept going. Right. I mean, um, well, or if you had, if you had somebody from the city come out there and they're like, Miss Winchester, um, we're going to have to see some permits. Cause right. what, I, what I see here is 27 different chimneys. Is that right? Yeah. Are we seeing that right? There have to be at least two means of egress from every room. I'm yeah, not exactly. Seeing yeah. But for for any of our listeners out there that are feeling slightly let down by our by our debunking, by our by our boo hawing on on the on the creepy side of this, there are other rumors and other theories out there. And if you go to www.whoissarahwinchester.com, there is an entire thing on her being a Freemason slash Rosicrucian. And how this house was an exercise in in uh, building a labyrinth to seek out and develop sort of this eternal knowledge. I just feel like if you're mm-hmm. a Freemason or a Rosicrucian, you you would have access to architects. Wait, but you don't want them. You don't want them knowing this stuff. They're the uninitiated, dude. Come on, man. No, no. Mason. No, Masonry Yo. is all. Masonry is all about architecture. That's how it started. It's the compass and everything. But you want to keep out the rabble. That's the actual builders. Uh, this is architects. I guess, Marie. But it's actually, all right. I'm reading it, and I will say, <laughs> I will tell you, it is, uh, it brings it back around. It brings it back around. But I, myself, am very excited to go see the movie and get my big-ass popcorn and my Diet Coke and just see Helen Mirren scare the shit out of me. So, so for those, so we actually, we didn't really get into too much of the hauntings for those. So oh, God, yes. It, Sorry. Is, it is now considered, it is considered today to be one of the most haunted places in America. It is. Oh, it's, um, really? Yeah, it is. It's considered one of the most haunted ones. It's, um, it is considered it by is who? Considered Who's considering this? 
Highly, highly haunted. It's like a it's like a five star haunting. This was listed by Time Magazine as one of the uh, most haunted places in the world. They've never been wrong so, before. So never yeah. been wrong before. Time Magazine. Nope. And also, I mean, it does it does have kind of an air of, you know, I mean, again, I guess if it's you spooky. were going to look at a place that has killed a lot of people, you would check out a place that was owned by this very seemingly uh, depressed. It sounds like gun magnet wife or widow. But rifle then again, widow. That's what then they again, call it, the what does that widow. mean for the uh, McDonald's family's farm? Very haunted. Mm. <laughs> right? True. A lot of, lot of fat ghosts hanging around that place. But the thing that I... So there are, there are really... There are some really well-known mm. hauntings, right? About this... Or well-known hauntings. It's considered to be a very haunted area. I, I actually have never... I had never really heard of any particular hauntings. I think that this yeah. is kind of one that's sort of built up, right? I mean, yeah, I think... Because we even ask, like, we make a point of asking our toy, right, just to be that obnoxious asshole that asks the question every... Like, the question they've heard, like, maybe 72 times in yeah. one eight-hour shift. So have you seen any ghosts? Yeah. And they're always like, so I myself have not seen any spirits or any ghosts or anything in peculiar. However, and then they'll go into some other story about, like, how yeah. it was highly... Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm, but you haven't, so... Right, right. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I feel like I would... I feel like we have a much better chance of seeing a ghost when we eventually go visit Mike in South Carolina. Oh, my God. And that place that you go on his tour and people yeah. just keel over. Faint? Terrifying. Faint. Holy no, shit. very spooky. Very so spooky down time. for that. Me, too. I'm super excited if that so ever happens. So excited. So but, excited. okay. So some of these... Some of these... Uh, and then we'll rent Con Air. It's gonna be Okay, go great. Some of these hauntings include potentially a handyman who mm. still goes around the house supposedly and, and checks things out or whatever. Another one up. is a, a girl that or a, a woman supposedly that haunts an upper floor and kind of specifically a room where um, during an earthquake. So there was the great there was a great earthquake in San Francisco in 1906. Okay. Big shake. Yep. And um, and uh the owner of the home, uh, she got, she got stuck in a room. She, she got trapped in a room and supposedly that room is uh, haunted by a ghost of a woman who kind of, um, I don't know, makes noises or whatever and can be seen walking the hallway sometimes. And then another, another one is, uh, just kind of, you know, people feel like they've been getting pushed or prodded or poked or whatever. The thing, the thing that really, to me, I don't know, me personally, for a really good ghost story, a really good haunting, I want consistency, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I want, I want it to be like, um, you know, we all see the same woman in the same dress, <laughs> right? That to me is like, that to me makes a good haunting, not necessarily just like, you know, well, everyone gets a weird feeling in this place. I, I you know would go for I, the weird feeling. I, I'll tell you what, I, I, like I said, I've been there a few times zero and you haven't felt anything so no no and i've like and i when i was there like again one time we went with my mother-in-law which was just sort of a trip to begin with but even she was like (laughs) i'm waiting and she's like she's from the bronx right she's from new york and she's from the bronx so if you're gonna if you're gonna be whipping out a ghost or some spooky shit you better get on that because it's like she's only got so much time no, yeah, she's she's like to be she's like all right so what is this we've been in here like 20 minutes i'm not I'm not, seems pretty normal. Just seems like a big house with stairways. Whoops, they do. And it's like, well, Mary, no, because blah, blah, blah. And, there was so, and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we going yeah. to eat for this? Is there like an Arby's around here that we're going to hit on our way home or what? And she's like, nice. So that was about it. Yeah, that's my mother. I'll tell you what, I have, I have had a lot weirder feelings in a lot of Arby's than I have ever had. That's true. In a lot of places that are supposedly mm. haunted. Mm. You know what this reminds me of, too, is there is a... There is like a, so the only, the only haunted place I've ever been to supposedly haunted. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I've been to some, I actually, I did have a really weird feeling. I went to a, I went to, um, the main, I can't remember what it's called. I had a really, I had a really phenomenal time in Hungary, in Budapest. And, um, uh. I, I loved it there. Right. And so the, I can't remember if it's on the Buda or the Pesh side of the river, but I think it was the, I can't remember, whatever, but. <laughs> It's like the main, it's like a fortress, like a main castle that was built, right? Um, by yeah. the By the Magyar uh, princes or, or king or whatever. And um, there was a torture, a torture chamber you could go into in the castle. Oh. 
And like, you went in this room and it was, I think it must have been the acoustics or something. But it, it like, it, it really, it made, like, it was a, it was a distinctly colder room than all the other surrounding rooms. It was all stone. The rest of the house, the rest of the castle was really well, you know, furnished nowadays and clearly insulated and whatever. But this one room, they just left it as, like, the stone, the bare stones and everything. It was, it was amazing. It was really cool. Um, but, but, like, you could. That's Europe, right? I mean, I know, America, it's so much more haunted. It's yeah. like Shimon, my son. We haven't been around long enough to be really no, that spooky. No, no, right? no. Yeah. So I actually, I find it though, I find it interesting. I mean, I, I think it would just be worth going to see this house just because it sounds beautiful. It is pretty amazing. And yeah. with the outside gown, gowns, the outside grounds, it is really just very, very, it would be very inspiring no matter what the story behind it is. And I, yeah. the other thing is with sort of the, the growth and the boom within that area, the Silicon Valley, it's good to see that they have that this is a historic landmark that is going to be there so i think that there's you know but it's gonna you know it's gonna haunt google it's gonna right. haunt google right. and uh right and uh you know and dropbox or whatever's down there now hmm. um so that's i like that part of it and it is it is pretty it is pretty and i you know what i hope it is haunted I don't, and I don't even care who's haunted. I hope it's haunted because that's kind of cool. I, too. I hope it's haunted. And I hope I it's haunted care. by Helen Marin because yeah. you know what? She could haunt the shit out of stuff, man. Oh. Listen, listen, Helen Mirren. Helen, Dame Helen. Want to come on the show? Dame Helen. Oh my Talk god. About- oh <laughs> my god. Never gonna happen, Marie. Hashtag goals for life. Is Go- Helen goals Mirren. For life. Oh my god. All right. I would just okay. Woo. All right. That's almost. <laughs> That's almost excited. as good as like Pacific Rim 2 coming out as well, by the way, people. Oh my goodness, Pacific Rim 2. Well, what, what? a time to be alive. It's going to be good. It's got Clint Eastwood's right. kid in it. It's going to be hot. <laughs> and thus ends our historical look at the Winchester <laughs> Mystery House. Thank you, dear listeners. We have had a great time tonight. I hope you have as well. I am, as always, Chris Cogswell here with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Sony, you owe us some sweet, sweet money on this one. You're welcome. Yeah, or at least a cameo in Pacific Rim 2. I oh, mean, that just seems sensible. This damn! Time. She had a walk-on! A walk-on! <laughs> All right. the only person in America looking forward to Pacific Rim 2. I know I'm not. Hey. I know there's more. They're out there. <laughs> there's so many more of us. They're out right. there. Well, thank you again for listening, and we'll be back in one week with the next episode. Night! Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.